And we'll just read the first four verses of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that even as our faces differ tonight, we know of our needs, so do our thoughts, so does the condition of our heart differ. Lord, we pray, Lord, even the homes we've left behind, Lord, that this night would be over, we'd receive maybe strength or help in some way. Father, that you would come and get involved in our circumstances and situations, but we pray tonight that this would be a night, Lord, when people who are struggling, whether in faith or not yet in the faith, whether, Lord, they're feeling their heart low or critical, we pray tonight, Lord, that something would be said that would help them, but that would glorify you. Lord, that they would cry as the psalmist cried unto you this evening. Lord, whether they're watching now, live or later or whatever point in time, we pray for your blessing to be made rich in their lives and help us, we pray. Father, help this man with frail lips, lips of clay. Fill me with your spirit. Anoint me with fresh oil and enable me to rightly divide the word of truth and to rightly bring, Lord, from my mouth that which you would say to all that would hear, to the glory of your name, to the building up of your people, to the exaltation of Christ. For it's in his name we ask it. Amen. Tonight's subject can be a little bit, to say the least, um, Difficult for me to bring, simply because it can be sensitive to so many people. The title of this evening is Scriptures of Hope for a Sad and Suicidal Soul. Scriptures of Hope for a Sad and Suicidal Soul. I'm sure you're well aware that in our country, Northern Ireland has seen 5,000 suicides in recent years from the Good Friday Agreement onward. 5,000 in our little country. Almost one suicide a day is happening at this time. I just heard this week on the radio of my primary school, five families related to the children in recent times, recent weeks, five related families have had suicide in them. One in another part of North Belfast had something like 27 27 suicides related to that school. And the idea of that never even brought this to my mind, but we're aware of those things that are happening. And I'll tell you how this came about because I'm not saying that I'm some sort of expert or professional on this subject. And we're crying you from my own heart, from what has happened in my own life. 
and where Christ has met me and reached me and brought me from on Wednesday night past, two o'clock in the morning, a scripture dropped into my heart. Just like it dropped right in, like the Lord had just placed it there and embedded it in my spirit. And I thought about it and thought about it and I eventually went to sleep. I woke up and it was still there all day Thursday until Friday morning I went into my study and had written this what the Lord I believe has given me for people to be able to help them to hear it. On the 2nd of December early hours of Sunday morning 2012 I remember it well. I'll never forget it. And on the 2nd of December 2012, way in the early morning, our phone rang at home. And I was still in bed and I got up and went over to the phone. And I lifted it and it was a man from the church that I used to be a pastor. He was distraught. He was distressed. He felt hopeless. And yet if I told you what his problem was, to you it might seem very trivial. People might say, just get on with it. Get your act together. Give yourself a push. And the old time, sometimes that may be needed. But that's not what was needed because that man's problems were big to that man. And those people, likewise, are also big to them. I answered the phone. He was telling me what was wrong and he couldn't cope. And he was letting himself get in. He wasn't depressed. He just had this anxiety where he went into a tailspin. When he went into a tailspin, his head was going round and round that he couldn't cope anymore. He was breathing heavy and crying down the phone to me early hours of the morning. And I managed to talk him down, as it were, in his heart and in his spirit and in his mind. It was the 2nd of December 2012 and once I got him settled, he said he was heading home and I went to, I went and got myself together, got, read over the sermon I had prepared for church that morning and I had plenty of time because I just stayed out of bed. I was, up. I was praying about this and I went to church that morning and the man comes walking in and he sat on the seat and nobody knew anything but me and him, not his wife, not anyone else. And so I get up to preach and uh, we're singing and I'm worshipping away as usual. And this verse dropped, this line of a verse dropped into my heart. It was on me, it was there. And by the time the meeting was at the point where I was to get up to preach, it was on me, it was there, it was there, it was there, constantly on me. And I got up and I got the notes out and I went to take from my notes and the Lord says, no, speak on this. So I turned and asked the people to turn with me. And here is the verse. It's Psalm 61 and verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When mine heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The line, when mine heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It was so impressed on me, I preached on it, and to be honest, I can't remember much what I said. I think it's online somewhere, but I don't know where, and I, uh, and I don't really, I've never went back to look at it. 
But nevertheless, this line was pressed on me to the point where I thought it was probably for someone like this man who I'd spoken to, when my heart is overwhelmed, sounds lovely, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, and it is lovely. And I preached my heart out, went home. I didn't realize that line was not for that man. That verse was not for that man. It was for me. It was for me. That afternoon I went home. I had my dinner, Sunday dinner. Got ready and over my Sunday night word as usual. And I got to our door to go out to church to preach the word. And the phone in the hallway rang right beside me as I just put my hand to open the door. And I thought, I'm in a hurry here. I really don't want the answer to to be held behind. And I lifted it anyway. And it was my father on the phone. My dad says... He calls me Kenneth and he says, Kenneth, he said, I want to tell you, he says, Heather, who's my younger sister, is unwell and she's in hospital. We usually meet them every Saturday or Friday night and they weren't there and the girls were missing her. And so he went to look to see why she wasn't there. And she was in the hospital and didn't want to annoy any of us and didn't tell us. And so I said, what's wrong? He says, something wrong with her liver. And I said, look, I'm going out to preach here, dad. Once I get this over, I'm going to go and I'll go back down to the hospital right after I bring the word. So we went. We brought the word. Alison went with me. We went to the Royal Victoria Hospital and Heather was very jaundiced. I'd never seen anyone. The color of her eyeballs, everything was yellow. And the hospital says, she's a very sick girl, but we hope to be able to turn things around. But she'll be in for maybe four to five weeks at least. Getting late, and we went over to see my dad, and I felt my sister, my older sister, who we usually went to see. She wasn't well on the Saturday when we seen her. And I said, I'd love to go and see Elaine. Alison says, you can go, but it's late. And I said, you know what? I'm coming early in the morning as a pastor. You can walk into the hospital, and you can get into these wards and so forth. I says, I'll see Heather, then I'll go and see Elaine. And we went home. That was the 2nd of December, 2012. We went to bed and in the middle of the night, the phone rings again. It was my dad. Alison got to the phone. And I heard her saying, what? What? Who? He says, Elaine's dead. Found dead in bed. I wish I had a went. It's a regret of mine. So we got on as we went and Elaine was there and she was, they had her on the floor working on her but it's called time. And when we were burying Elaine, we didn't tell Heather that Elaine had died because she was so ill. She had to get every chance to get well. And we were standing at the little graveside and Heather, who was in hospital, her husband comes and he says, Ken, get your daddy home. Because Heather's taken a turn for the worst. So we went home and then straight to the hospital from the grave. And Heather died two days later, three days later. Heather not only died three days later, but the two sisters had died in the same week. We, we had no idea this was going to happen. You couldn't have written it. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm not looking for sympathy. You know, I'm really not. I'm not looking for that. I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. 
that scripture that day was for me. Because I went in as the pastor. They looked at me and I started organizing the funerals. Everything goes into automatic mode. And as I got it all done, I was doing mourn for Heather and then doing mourn for Elaine. And then I think I'm leaving her right. And I couldn't, because it was so close, I didn't know who we were mourning for. And even forgetting who we were burying at times. So close together. My dad took ill and died too. And then my brother-in-law in a short, very short period of time. I went back to preaching in the church. I didn't take time off and I went straight back. And when people seen you in the pulpit then they think, well, he must be all right. And I was hit and bombarded with the usual pastoral duties. And I used to go home. The brave face on would go home and pull the curtains and hide in the living room. I didn't want to see anyone. Didn't want to talk to anybody. People hope. I was dealing with marriages that were breaking up. People arguing and squabbling among families because of the breakups. And guess who was in the middle of it? Alison and I. It was horrific. I'm telling you the truth, and this is part of my heart to tell you to try and help someone because I feel it just made. I stood at the riverbank thinking the river was more inviting than the life that I was living. And I'm standing, leading God's people and preaching to them. Come on, you can do this. Encouraging them on. I was dying inside. That's how I felt. Dying inside. Breaking my heart. You see, whether it be a sadness or a sickness or a suicidal thought, there's no age limit here. There's no professionalism or unprofessionalism. There's no, there's no creed or anything else that it belongs to. Nobody can claim the monopoly of it It comes in certain degrees to different people. And this song, pardon me, this scripture, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I was, what got me through? That I knew there was somebody bigger, even though I couldn't find him at times, and he wasn't far away. Even though I couldn't feel him at times, but he was always there. I found that Christ was the rock of my salvation and my deliverance. And the reason I'm going to bring this tonight is that somebody might see this isn't just a man who has not suffered. People in mourning can go into such a downward spiral. People in mourning can go into a place where it's so hurtful and lonely and hard and they think it's never going to change, never going to end, they're never going to get through it. But you know, there are seasons and there are times to every purpose under the heavens. And God may bring you through a season, brother or sister, and maybe you're someone of without faith. All I can bring you tonight is Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice here the earnest prayer of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. David needs God 
to hear him. And he needs God to answer him. Now when you're there, you know what that means. It's not just a prayer, it's a cry from the deep. Help me. You can't express it to others. Your nearest and your dearest, you can't explain it to them. You try to speak about it, but you just can't seem to get over it. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. And this psalm shows that this life of, seems a life of defeat that David had, of helplessness and hopelessness and without any positive outlook. But when we read on in the psalm, which we haven't tonight, when we read on in the psalm, we find that it starts with a cry. Hear my cry, O God. But this psalm finishes with a crescendo. It starts with a shrill, but it finishes with a song. It starts with a prayer, but it ends with praise. Look at verse 8, the very last verse of this psalm. Remember, this is written after he has come through these things. He has written about it after he has come through these things. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. You see the the difference between the the cry to the crescendo? You see the difference here from the shrill to the song and from the the prayerful cry to the praise of the voice? And you can see here what I'm trying to point out already to someone, to you, to all who will hear is this. You go through a season, you go through a time, you think you'll never get out of it nor through it but you're not staying in it when you trust in the Lord he'll take you by the hand and he'll lead you through and he will bring you out you're not doomed to death but you're his for the living Christ take your hand let Christ lead you through and so when we look at this there's a praise of victory at the end of it Will you flick over to Psalm 42 for a few moments for me, please? Psalm 42, just two verses. Verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Notice this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thy in God. Let your eye run down to verse 11, to the closing verse of Psalm 42. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thy in God. It's exactly the same. Notice here, but. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. The psalmist talks to him. Lag the town. David here, like as he did when Ziglag, the town, was taken by the Philistines and Ziglag was emptied of the people and the loved ones were taken away. It says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Notice he talks to himself and he searches his heart for, listen, an honest and a sensible reason for his condition. What is the honest reason for your heart and your mind, the condition you find yourself in. Maybe it's even just a struggle at this moment. Maybe it's been, even if it's a stressful day, 
Or maybe you're facing the calls in your mind or voices of suicide and death. Why are we like this? Why are you there? Why? Be honest and sensible and reasonable with your own self about your own condition. Listen, sometimes we can allow our hearts and our own minds to deceive us. The the mind can deceive you to bring fear, which is unreal. It's, it's, It's not truth. Notice this, our minds become clouded with worlds, the world's pressures on us. Our, our minds can be also brought where our thoughts can be multiplied and swamp our normal and natural thinking. So many thoughts, so many ideas, so many wonders, so many fears, so many voices, and we just can't cope in our own heads anymore. Discouragement can be something. Disillusionment, listen, rejection. Feeling rejected by society, rejected from friends, rejected maybe in family, rejected in the church, rejected by whoever, feeling rejection. And some of it may be that their mind is lying to our own hearts. Notice phobias and fears may cause one to either have a feeling of, listen, fight or flight. Fight or flight. In other words, sometimes we are, you know, some people and they think depression and, and, and sadness and, and having those times of down times, uh, that it's, it has to be where we crawl up into a ball and, uh, and hide under the duvet and, and roll up in bed and don't come out. That is not all that those things are. It's much more than that. You could be angry, quick, as it were. Sharp with your tongue, where you shouldn't have been with the wrong people at the wrong time. With your wife, brother, you'd be telling your wife and be nasty to her or, or sister to your husband or to someone else. And what that is, you're trying to deal with something that's in your heart and mind and your frustration is spewing out of your mouth. I think we could all get there so easily at some times. And so we spew it out and maybe we need to take a look and uh, where are we? Where am I? Where is my heart? And why is it in this condition? Sometimes fight or flight can be you blame others for your condition. Notice, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why are thou disquieted within me? The word soul is nefesh. Listen, the soul is the self, the person, the living being, the seat of your emotions and your passions. In other words, the the soul is the inner man and the inner woman. The soul is the real you inside your body. The soul is the real you inside your body. And sometimes the real you inside your body doesn't know can't find the words to express what you're thinking, how you're feeling, and there's no understanding. And even if your spouse who you love and is close to you says, speak to me, it might be hard for you don't know the words to say. I can't explain it. Sure, it's easy to explain, but it's not easy. Because you can't put into words that which is within. That which is within. The inner man and the inner woman, the real you, the soul that you are. 
Disquieted here is the word hamath. And it means to roar. You're ready to roar, to growl. And it gives the idea to hum loudly inside. Let me try and give you the best example I can give you. That when everything is in you, and everything is roaring inside you, but the calm exterior is there. And you are frustrated. And you don't know how to cope with this and to deal with this. Yet there's a war raging a battle. The hum gives it the idea that you're inside. That's the idea of this, disquieted. Why are you wrestling with me? Why, my heart, are you thus? Explain yourself, and you can't. The only one who knows is you and God. So this tells me your best person to speak to And the best person for you to get involved with and to spend time with is with the Lord himself. For he knows the heart of every man and woman. Brothers and sisters, it means to hum loudly, to make a loud sound or a great commotion, a tumultuous and troubled heart. Why art thou disquieted within me? You know what one man wrote about this? He wrote it means... Why has my quiet gone? Where you can be sitting in a crowded room and still feel lonely. Or you can be sitting on your own and not want to be alone. The only answer is found in verse 5. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Notice, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Notice, hope thou in God. I shall yet praise him for the help. This tells me where there's hope, there's help. And you might say, I've lost all hope. I can't find any hope. I've run out of hope. There is no hope for me. Friend, listen. Hope in God brings help from God. He will not let you down. Hope in God brings help from God. I remember when, before I was saved, and I don't want to get into it, but I I, I was badly addicted on alcohol and drugs. Lost everything I ever had. Because of it. Registered homeless twice. Legally homeless twice. And I remember the voices in my head. And I remember them telling me to kill myself. I was on the top of a roof going to jump off. And I seen the lorry roof below me. And I heard voices jump, 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 jump. All the time. Driving me insane. And I went to jump and I heard a voice saying, step back son, step back. It was within me. And I stepped back. I remember crying, Oh God, if you're real, will you help me? I felt nothing changed, but God heard. My hope was in God. My help came from God. My hope was in God, and my help came from God. Listen, there is always, whether you're in this room or watching, there is always hope. 
And there is always help. There is always hope. There is always help. Psalm 42 and verse 11. Who is the health of my countenance? Notice, who is the health of my countenance? Notice verse 5, the end of it. I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. His countenance. The Lord's countenance. Countenance is presence. His face looking toward me, in other words. The poneme of God it is. Means the poneme means that bit which turns. When God turns his face to me, his countenance will bring me help. For I shall yet... And now when we get down to verse 11 at the end of it, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. Notice, praise him who is for his countenance. Praise him now who is the health of my countenance. The health of my countenance and my God. See the word health? If you have a pen there, you underline it if you want to underline it in your Bible. And here's what I want you to write. Here's the word for it. You ready? And you're going to pick this up who know anything about the scriptures as soon as I say it. The word there is Yeshua. Yeshua. You know what the word Yeshua is? It's a Hebrew word for our English word Jesus. Do you want help tonight? All I can show you is Jesus. You need help tonight. Your mind, your heart, your spirit. In your soul, Jesus is the answer. Notice the countenance, the face, he says, his countenance changes here. Gives the ideas, Jesus brings a difference to the countenance. My countenance. Jesus brings a difference to the face, to the look. From the darkness into the, into the light. Jesus, or Yahshua here, means salvation. It means deliverance. It means welfare and it means health where everything is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus, Yahshua. So notice this. George Haddon Spurgeon says, God is unchangeable and therefore his grace is the ground for unshaken hope. See, even in my Christian walk when I'm having a hard time, do you know one of the greatest truths that keeps me going in the faith even? That strengthens me in the heart? You know what it is? The unchangeableness of God. The unchanging God. Because he is not like man. And you and I measure our own strength by the strength of others. Or we measured by the day that we had maybe stronger before than we are now. I was talking to Alison just yesterday. And I says, you know, sometimes in my head I think I'm in my 20s. And I can jump over mountains and kick down walls and run through. And whenever I was younger, there was no stopping me. It was, I, was like a, I was like a bullet a gate. I says, no, I think I can do it. And I hit the wall and I fall on my back. And my hips are sore, my legs are sore, my elbows sore, my shoulders sore, my neck gets sore, and everything gets sore. I think I'm not, but I'm, and sometimes strength I had when I was younger. And sometimes we measure our strength today by the strength we had in the past. And we are saying, oh, I'm weaker today. And what happens? It brings us down. 
I'm not as good as I was yesterday, so it brings us down. Brothers and sisters, you are going to be up and down. Friends, you're going to be up and down in mind and in mood every single day. Different even with love for Christ and not as much love for Christ or even out of love with Christ. And you're going to find you are going to be up and down all the time. Listen, it doesn't rest on you, it rests on him. I change, he changes not. The Christ can never die. His love, not mine, the resting place. His truth, not mine, the tie. Notice here, God is unchangeable and therefore his grace is the ground for unshaken hope. I always have the hope that God loves me because he chose to love me. Hope thou in God. No hope, there is hope. The help of his countenance, you will get stronger, friend. Do you hear that? You're going to get stronger. You're going to get through this. There will always be help. The health of his countenance, my countenance. There is always hope, there's always help. And you will have health when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God changes things, friend. Do you hear that? God changes things. God changes circumstances. He changes people. He changes minds. He changes hearts. And he changed the psalmist's countenance here, his face. It shows the spirit, the mood, and the mind of the person. Sometimes the people, you can't not but wear it on your face. It's like wearing, they say, the heart on the sleeve. And God changes the countenance. And what I'm trying to say is this. There's people who feel they can't go through another day. And while I was in that worldliness and sin and that depravity and that terrible life, I don't even like to think about it, but while I was there, I remember walking up the road after three days binge and I remember coming out of the shabines and and going into the town and getting into trouble and I'd always getting into fighting and trouble and all that sort of stuff. And I remember I walked up and I said, today, I'd settled it in my heart. Today is the day. It was early Sunday morning. Today, I'm going to finish this. And I walked up the road. The sun was in the face. I can even now hear the feet on the path. And as I walked away, I hear my brother saying, what are you talking stupid for? What are you talking like that for? You're talking stupid. Did I want to die? No, I wanted to live, but I felt I hadn't got the strength for another day. And if you've never been there, it's hard to express that. How do you do that? But if for someone listening to this or someone here, I want to tell you, we've been there, I've heard it, I've walked in your shoes and in your moccasins, and I can tell you something, you think you haven't got the strength, and maybe you haven't, but I can point you to the one who will give you the strength for today and tomorrow. I don't know what I did, and I woke up on a floor, don't know what I did. And that night, it's a long story, but I heard the gospel. First time in a church, I thought the church would burn down if I walked into it. I can tell you, I heard of the Lamb of God. I heard of the blood sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard of the cross and the bleeding dying Lamb. And I thought, why would God ever want me? You know, because you start to feel, I was in sport and uh, I was fighting British titles and doing all these sort of things until I went on to this drugs. 
And people used to know me all over, all over the road, all over the area where we lived in Belfast. There was the guy who was the fighter who went out and over to England and over to different places to fight and all over Ireland. And, and, and all of a sudden, there he is. He's out of his head and he's walking up. And I don't even remember seeing the street signs and hearing, hearing anything walk the car tires on the road. It was so stupefied. Land in the middle of the road at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning and car's going to drive over my head. Stupidity off me. But I was trapped. I was addicted. But I can tell you, friend, if you're there tonight, I can point you to the one who sets the captive free. He set me free. I remember that night I heard the gospel. I've seen him by faith. Faith given to me at that moment from God. And I've seen the Lord Jesus Christ dying for me. thought, you'd want me. You would want me. No self-esteem at all. No esteem whatsoever. In the gutter and in the mire. But friend, I'll tell you, that night he saved my soul. And he brought me up also out of an horrible pit. And from the merry clay. And set my feet upon a rock. And he's established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. I'll tell you what happened that night when I surrendered and gave my heart fully, totally and wholly to the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't even know to call him Lord or Jesus or what to call him. But I said, God, if you can do something with this, because I was, uh, I was in danger of kidney failure. And uh, I was uh, getting t- tests done for, my, for liver damage. I was also going through tests for uh, pancreatitis. I had pneumonia through me. I had it all, friend. I've been there. And I've been to the depths of it. I've been to the, the, very, the very pit of it and of despair. And helplessness and hopelessness and none could help me. The drug counselors at one point says me, well, sure, I'm sure sometimes we all have a little taste ourselves. That was the help I got. The doctor says, you're killing yourself. You're going to die. I became emaciated and sunk in. I was passing blood. That night Christ came into my life and he took this vile, filthy, guilty, hell-deserving sinner and for some reason he loved me and he saved my soul. That's what he can do for you. He can do it for you. I cannot go through another day, friend. I thought that And I thank God that he didn't take me at his word. At my word, pardon me. Work. Stresses. Debts. Relationships. Addictions. Illness. Your bills. Your cares. And your worries. Your anxieties. Your fears. And your mourning. And your grief. And your loneliness. And your troubles. 
even there's children with a bullying and, and there's emptiness and weakness and worthlessness and all like go on and on and on and I can't go through another day. I haven't the strength to go through this. But I can tell you, friend, you're hearing the right message. You're here at this time and you're here in the right purpose. This is for a reason that you're in this place or watching or listening. Listen, someone could be listening to this in another year's time about to do the same thing. Well, God has you hear it. God has you to listen to it. God has placed you here that you would hear that Christ can give you the strength and the hope and lift you from a world and a life of despair and worthlessness and shame. Jesus can do it for you. You've made today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Matthew 6 and 34, Therefore take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And the Lord Jesus is saying, listen. The Lord Jesus is saying, you listen to me. You're worried about your debts and your bills and you're, going to, you're losing the blessing of today because of the worries of tomorrow. We're all there, aren't we? I lose a lot of the lessing, less, uh, blessings of the half worries of the church. The cares of the church. I have to keep saying, Lord, I can't carry this anymore. And as soon as I say it, I hear the Lord say, I never asked you to. And there's things you're carrying and the Lord never gave it to you. And there's things you're holding and the Lord didn't want you to hold it. And the Lord is saying, give it to me. I'll tell you a story about a man called William Cooper. He was a poet, an author, and he was an English writer. He's born on the 26th of November, 1731, educated at Westminster and called to the legal bar in 1745. William Cooper took a mental illness in 1763. He was put in residential care in Huntington in 1765 and he was moved to Olney in 1786. He tried to take his life no less than three times. No less than three times. But he was converted to Christ in 1764, sitting on a little garden bench in a garden. He was reading Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus... Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Listen to what William Cooper wrote at that moment. His own words are, immediately I received strength. And believe the full beams of the son of righteousness shone upon me. I saw the sufficiency of the atonement that Christ had made. My pardon in his blood. The fullness and completeness of my justification in the moment I believed and I received the gospel. Now if you were to go into William Cooper's writings, his poetry, before his conversion, he's dark. You see the darkness that his mind's thinking. It's hopeless in it. Very poetic, but there's a lot of hopelessness and emptiness in it. 
After his conversion, he wrote a song, a hymn, called Light Shining Out of Darkness. Light Shining Out of Darkness. You ever hear the saying, God moves in mysterious ways? William Cooper wrote that in this hymn. Here's the first verse for you. God moves in mysterious in the sea and right. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. William Cooper in the storm. This conversion wrote this because he saw God, the one who is superior to the storms and the seas. And that giving his life to Christ is what changed William Cooper's life and eternal destiny. But on his conversion... Reading about the blood of Christ from Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. One of his first hymns was called Praise for the Fountain Opened. Praise for the Fountain Opened. And it's become one of the most well-known songs that's ever been written, or hymns that has ever been written. Maybe you don't recognize it, but this is the way it goes. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath a flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Here's what I love. He saw the fountain of blood in the scripture. Set him free from it. He wrote, he's accredited to 67 hymns that he wrote with his best friend who helped him through this time to point him to Christ called John Newton who wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound has saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Notice, here is a man who has tried suicide no less than three times. Here is a man who is hopeless and helpless. He's without any joy. And here is a man who has realized of the power of the blood of Christ. The man who has realized that through Jesus he can live not only in this life but for all eternity. And this man now is accredited to 67 hymns with John Owen that we are singing and blessing even tonight. What can God do with you, friend, if you stay your hand? And trust in God. What purpose is there for me, you might say, but you are here, you are alive, you have a purpose. Every one of you have a purpose. When you feel like giving up, just remember the reason why you held on so long. Suicide doesn't end the chances of life getting worse. It eliminates the possibility of it ever getting better. If you're ever looking for a sign, just give me a sign and I'll live. 
I'll go on another day. If you're ever looking for a sign, this is it. This is it. You're here. Your heart's beating. You're alive. You're of value. You're of worth. You are loved. You're esteemed. You're precious to family and the friends, and you're precious to God. Think what God could do with you, through you, and for you, for others, if you place your all in him. William Cooper, surely, is a great example to all of us. Surely a great example to all of us. And when he's writing, here's my favorite verse, not the dying thief. I do believe I will believe that Jesus died for me, that on the cross he shed his blood from sin to set me free. I finish with this. This Psalm 61 and verse 2, that's my introduction to that. I haven't got my, don't worry, I'm not going on. I'll do points on it some other time. Notice, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. You need a lift up. You need a lift out of it. The rock higher than I is Christ Jesus. The new is Christ Jesus. See the word overwhelmed? You know what it gives the idea of? When my heart is weak, my heart is feeble. But are you ready? When my heart is covered over like a shroud of darkness has covered it. When my spirit man, my spirit woman, my soul feels like someone has thrown a great big dark blanket over it. It means you can't see your way. You're in darkness and you're in fear. You don't know a way to turn. You've lost all sense. And your heart is low. Will you lead me? <coughs> Holy Ghost, lead me. Lead me to Christ. Lead me to Jesus. Lead me to Christ. Lead me to the cross. Lead me and let me see his sacrifice. Let me see his precious blood. Oh, but one more glimpse of the Lamb of God. For when my heart is overwhelmed, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I didn't know that very verse in line was for me. And I was thrown into the middle of it. My head didn't know whether, had nothing in me. I remember standing crying in the middle of a field with nobody near me ran like a baby because I wouldn't even let my wife see me in that state. And I says, God, I put my hope in you. Mourning drove me to despair. Brought me into illness. And illness brought me deeper. But Christ can meet you where you are 
and he can lift you up. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit and out of the Mary clay. Listen, friend, he brings you out of the mire and I were singing praises. Put you into the choir. That's what Christ can do for you. Maybe I'll take this on board tonight because we'll all have our hard times to the glory of his name. Amen. God bless us tonight, everyone.